welcome to If You've Come This Far. This is the podcast that Sean and I do where we uh, we have the blessing of getting to talk to people, have uh, authentic conversations with interesting people about how they're thinking about life or what they're doing to make life more meaningful and fulfilling. Um, and uh, this was a highlight for me because um, there is, this is a guy who's done something that's really off the beaten path or really sort of uh, different in terms of trying to advance men's mental health. Um, guy's name is Joe Conrad. Uh, I don't remember if he found us, Sean, or if you, oh, I do. I do remember. Yeah. I know how yeah, we're going to talk. We're, we're not going to reveal yeah. how we got together because it's in the conversation, but yeah, well, tell, give yeah. us some high level on, on so, Joe. So Joe, uh, I think, I think you'll agree just a very thoughtful, thoughtful man. He's, he's the founder and CEO of both Cactus, which is a branding company and uh, Grit Digital Health which is um which i would say is a is a um company platform that's designed creating technologies and applications to address mental health issues primarily um and uh, so it's kind of jack dorsey like in that he's you know ceo of two companies right now uh-huh. um the um uh, the thing that really connected us was the campaign that they built back in 2012 with uh, Colorado Department of Health around men's mental health um, and uh, suicide called man therapy. And and their, um, what would you call him? Dr. Rich Mahogany is their spokesperson, fictional spokesperson. Fi- yeah, fictional, fictional, fictional therapist. Fictional, yes. And just, uh, so we dig into man therapy. We dig into some of the other tools that they've developed um, for for younger people um how they're how they're trying to introduce their tools into the workplace uh as well as governments and um you know I, I again just a very thoughtful guy and uh uh and again to your to your point we're we're kind of uh rowing down the same same river in the same direction i guess yeah. that's, is that how you describe it Pulling, pulling in the same pulling direction. Pulling in the same direction. Thank you. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and just to be clear, Sean, I don't know Jack Dorsey, and so I can't bash <laughs> that Jack Dorsey. But I think in Joe Conrad's defense, we should say that that may be the only common denominator between Jack Dorsey and him is that they both lead two companies. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, what man therapy does is it is it humanizes mental wellness and mental health um and 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 even you know adds a, a grain of of humor to it yes i think what we've seen in the research that we we discussed a little bit is that um there's evidence to suggest that's enabling him and their campaign to reach more men and to get more men to ask for help yeah i, th- I think it's a serious issue no doubt um but I, I think, you know, rather than getting all caught up in in kind of the seriousness of it, it's like, okay, let's step back and look at ourselves as human beings and look at the things that happen that that cause distress and 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 can and can we disconnect from that in some way and find more joy and to a certain extent. I mean, if you're if you're laughing, um, you know, maybe it's easier to get to get over some of the things that that we find distressful um or or at least or at least to at least to acknowledge them right yes be like oh fuck maybe i maybe i'm not the only one in the world going through this and i and there is help out there for this thing yeah yeah i I, I mean all you got to do is go google man therapy and 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 get one little (laughs) like interaction with dr rich mahogany and you'll see what we mean yeah yeah it's it's uh Again, like we say, you know, I don't I don't know if there's a guest that hasn't been that we haven't talked to that we wouldn't want to talk to again at length. And uh, and Joe is is certainly one of them. So for sure, for sure. I I, part of me thinks, okay, tell the listener, go Google this before you listen to the podcast so you can sort of get it, get a flavor for what we're talking about. But I'm worried if I do that, they're going to go down that rabbit hole and they're going to see every YouTube video of Rich (laughs) Mike. It's fucking hilarious. I mean, it's, you know, and, and in, in the name of a very serious issue, but, um, but effective, I think is, is the most important thing. Yeah. And so I think, I think what um, Grit Digital Health is endeavoring to do is to, to, can you, you know, if you look at, um, what I, what I would say is considered 
you know, an epidemic in the United States around mental health and loneliness and depression and, and those things. I mean, I think they're looking to build tools that can help people out of uh, the malaise, I guess mm-hmm. you, you would call it, um, to, to a better life. And, uh, and that's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it seems to be a good thing um, and uh, great conversation. So here's yes. Joe. Morning, guys. Hey, Joe. What's up, Joe? How we doing? Good. Good to see you again. To Sean. Joe, Chris, 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 Joe. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you. I, I am. Uh, I am an admirer of 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 some of your work. I don't know all of your work, but uh, but certainly some of it. So happy Friday and thanks for coming on. Yeah, happy Friday to you guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it. You are uh, just to to be clear. Uh, you're in Colorado, right? I am. Yeah. Whereabouts? Um, right now, I'm in my house in Morrison, Colorado. So. Uh, just at the foothills of Denver, and I can see Red Rocks Amphitheater from my window. So, no shit. Yeah, you know that's 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 one place I've never seen a show. It's kind of a bucket list kind of thing too, right? Because pretty special. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I've been to some nice venues, but this one uh, this one's my favorite for sure. So yeah, you got to make that happen. Let me know. Uh, let me know when you come out. I'll join you. How oh, often do you go? How bet. often do you go? Um, at least a couple times a summer, you know, it yeah. depends what shows are there, but um, there's always a few good things. Um, the last show I saw last summer was Jackson Brown, actually late oh. in September. Mm. Yeah. That's my wheelhouse for sure. I saw Casey Musgraves there. I don't know. I don't even know how long ago that was now. Four years, maybe. Yeah. Good time. Yeah, it was great. I, uh, I'm more of a, well, I'm not more of, but I'm a bluegrass guy. So uh, I, I've gotten down to Telluride. I don't know if you've ever been to that bluegrass festival, but that's a pretty stellar venue too. I've not been. It's And that's on my list. So um, yeah, uh, one of these summers, I'm going to make it to, to Telluride for that. That sounds awesome. Well, the crazy thing about Telluride is Telluride is off the beaten path, even if you live in Colorado, right? Like it, yeah. you, it's it's a bit of a haul, right? It's you a haul. Yeah, it's not easy to get to. It's a good good uh four and a half five hours uh to get there but the most beautiful part of the state it's just incredible yeah we did that uh, we also did that drive where you drive from there to the south through uh it's kind of harrowing right you're just like a, almost like a going to the sun road yeah, yes the highway yeah through you ray um yeah. yes exactly yeah, yeah. special place yeah incredible and you're and you're you're native to Colorado, correct? Yeah, you know, I grew up in Denver. Um, I I never thought I would stay there, but um, I uh, after college I moved back and was working trying to get my first job, and I fell in love with the city all over again. And hmm. um, then I started um, my business, Cactus, uh, one of my two businesses in 1990. Um, so I, you know, just kind of laid down roots, and my whole family's here, and uh, it's always been home. Yeah, I bet I bet it has I mean, what over 30, 35 years. I'm sure it has, right? For the yeah. good for the better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's you know, people complain about the traffic, but that just is a part of it. But um, no, it's uh they've done a great job developing the city and all these really cool neighborhoods reinventing themselves and the music, food, art scene is mm-hmm. great. So yeah, it's up and coming still. Yeah. I mean, just for the record, is there a reasonably sized city in the whole country where people don't complain about the traffic? Right. No. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> it's it's like it's second to weather in terms of just if we need to complain, oh, like, what, what is it going to be? <laughs> okay. Okay. Before we go down that path of, of of talking about weather and traffic, let let's let me hijack this and say how how we found our way to Joe. It starts in a tavern in rural Wisconsin. Um, where I visited some friends in, uh, I think it was August of this year. And for August, the weather wasn't really, wasn't very great. So we were having some cocktails in this tavern and I went into the bathroom and there on the urinal was a poster (laughs) of, I don't know, maybe a a middle-aged man, mustache, kind of wavy hair. I don't think it would, I don't think it's a comb over, but a very kind of serious, knowledgeable guy. And uh, and on this poster, it says, you can't fix your mental health with duct tape. 
and it was mantherapy.org therapy, the way a man does it. And then, okay, so that caught my eye. And I'm like, given men living, this is a really interesting thing. What did it, What's this all about? And as I walked out, there was another poster that said, a mustache is no place to hide your emotions. Again, mantherapy.org. So I'm like, oh, I, all right. I, I like to live curiously. I'm going to look up this man therapy. And, uh, and I'm like, shit, we gotta, we gotta explore this thing. And, um, sent Joe a note. He was, uh, he is behind man therapy. He is not the guy on the poster people. You can't see him. (laughs) We're not talking to rich mahogany. (laughs) This is not rich mahogany. So we had a preliminary conversation and, and Joe agreed to come and explore this in, in more detail um, and kind of talk about both, you know, your company, Grit Digital Health, which is doing more than actually man therapy. And I hope we can explore that. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Cactus, which is your, I would say, branding, branding business, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, Cactus is a full service marketing creative branding agency. Uh, that I started in 1990 in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I, um, so when I told Joe, when I told Joe, Chris, when I told Joe, yeah, I, you know, I saw the poster in a urinal in Wisconsin. He was like, I have no idea why that's there. I don't, maybe you do now. I had no idea why, <laughs> why Rich Mahogany. Who would have thought a visit to the John would lead you to think about your right. mental health and then connect with us. But that's right. the magic of this campaign, right? That that's how it works is, um, hits guys in unexpected places uh, and gets them to let their guard down or their zipper down in this case. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just um, uh, gets them to think about mental health, you know, uh, in, in kind of a different way and maybe think, oh, maybe this is something I can relate to. Maybe I'll check it out. And so the experience you had is exactly uh, what you know, millions of men, um, you know, have encountered with man therapy. And uh, it opened that door for them to think about their mental health. Mm-hmm. Joe was um uh I lost track a little bit, but did did Cactus do the work on man therapy or was that great? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me kind of explain how this came about because sure. uh, it's a really interesting story. Um and uh you know the the way that this whole campaign came to be and evolved is really unique and I think a, a really interesting story. And it was based on, um, you know, my desire when I first started my uh, marketing firm um, to really do purpose-driven work. Um, the light bulb I had when I was a pretty young man and wanted to start my own company was, uh, I really, I was working for a place and I hated what I was doing because I hated the clients that we were helping be successful and I didn't believe in what they were doing. In fact, mm-hmm. they were, you know, Including the environment and mm-hmm. doing doing uh, you know some pretty evil things, and it was my job to make them look good. And I realized, oh man, I can't do that with my career. I was going to change careers, and I thought I had an epiphany. I thought, what if I actually you know put my talents to work for something I believed in, or nonprofits that need a, need a voice to grow their mission and uh, better accomplish uh, what they're focused on? Uh, and I thought that might be a pretty cool thing. So I started Cactus as this uh, purpose driven ad agency, and so. We'd always been focused on helping nonprofits grow. Um, you know, we'd worked on so many issues like arts and humanities, education, um, you know, employment and training, uh, environmental issues, uh, arts and culture. Uh, and then um, in the early 2000s, we started doing a lot of social marketing and behavior change work. Um, first in the area of smoking cessation, uh, really trying to help people quit smoking or keep teenagers from ever starting to smoke. And uh, there was a lot of good funding uh, and allowed our agencies to do some really groundbreaking work um, during that period of time and um, develop this behavior change process using the power of creative creative communications and then technology when websites kind of came into fashion. So um, that's kind of how we got our start. And then in 2012, um, or I'm sorry, 2010, we were asked uh, by the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment if we could help them address the issue of suicide among working age men. And at the time, I had no idea just how prevalent um, this issue was and what a growing epidemic suicide was among this population. You know, five out of seven suicides uh, come from this demographic of working age men, 25 to 54. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot about the, the the issue. And when I asked them how much money they had, 
in their budget to deal with it. They said their annual budget was $10,000. Oh. <laughs> I kind of laughed and, and said, well, good luck with that because that's a huge <laughs> problem and that's a tiny budget. I don't know what you're going to do. Um, but the head of the program, the head of the suicide prevention office, his name is Jared Heinemann. Him and I became friends and, and we would get together. He would come down to the agency once a month and we'd have lunch and just talk about the issue. Like, we got to do something about this. And I did some research and I saw that there was nothing in the world uh, that I could really put my finger on. Uh, no one had ever done a campaign really targeting men about mental health and, and mm. you know, trying to prevent suicide. So we decided uh, we formed a, an alliance and decided, you know, we're going to do something about this. Um, we're going to find a way. Uh, we joined up with a third partner, a really wonderful woman, uh, Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas, who ran a suicide prevention foundation. So it was kind of a state agency, my uh, marketing firm, and then Sally's nonprofit. Um, so the three of us kind of formed this alliance and uh, went out and found uh, some seed funding uh, from a foundation um, that said, yeah, uh, we'll support this work. And so, um, you know, it's just uh, an incredible experience uh, to be able to put our team's talents uh, to work to address this issue. And I have to be honest, I always felt like communications could solve any problem, but I felt like we had met our match with this when I started mm. to look at it. Like, can an ad campaign, can a website possibly have an impact on an issue as serious and complex as suicide? And mm. I really I really had my doubts. And so, um, you know, we approached it like we do all of our brand work, right? By really looking what had been done before so we can learn from that. Let's do some research with consumers. In this case, uh, let's talk to suicidologists, experts in suicide prevention, because I was not, I was an ad guy. Um, what can we learn from these people that have studied suicidology among men their whole lives? And then let's talk to survivors, guys who had attempted suicide and lived through it, or their loved ones who had lost uh, their brothers or, or, or dads or, or husbands to suicide. So um, we learned a lot and learned as much as we could and, you know, just followed our process of really great strategy work um, to really get insights that unlock a way in that will allow us to be successful. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the path that we took to develop man therapy. You know, I, I got to ask, I, I'm fascinated by the whole story. Uh, you ended up taking a route that I think almost everyone on the planet would consider unconventional for this particular problem to use humor. Yeah. Um, do you recall when that seed was first planted? Like who, like when someone first said, well, what if we tried to put what put Ron Swanson in front of of men who are at risk like what like how did that whole thing go down and and it's weird to say but i'm imagining it's weird to say that it, it might it must have been fun because it's such a serious and and you know sort of heartbreaking problem but you were creating something pretty cool yeah it's a great great uh question chris i think um the strategic work that we did um, really teed up the creative team to then kind of take the baton and run with it. And the insight from the strategic perspective was, you know, if we wait till someone's in crisis, we would be too late. Uh -huh. um, you know, when a guy attempts suicide for the first time, unfortunately, they're successful, mm -hmm. uh, usually because they, they use lethal means to do so and they finish the job. Um, and so we knew that, you know, if we just were at the bottom of the, of the funnel uh, with a suicide prevention effort or a crisis line, we would be too late. And so the idea early on was to go upstream. You know, how can we get out in front of this and really connect the dots for men earlier on? And it really became a men's mental health campaign and with this idea that the best offense is a good defense or the best defense is a good offense. Mm -hmm. That backwards. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, how could we really uh, get out in front of it and help men connect the dots? And then from there, you know, we, we gave them a number of different ways in. Um, and so uh, the creative team then took that information and, and went off with it. And, you know, we have a process where we have a copywriter and an art director working with a creative director, and they develop a bunch of ideas. And then they come to the table and they present those ideas to the rest of the team um, and I was leading the strategy on this one. And so they showed us a range of ideas. Um, not all of them involved humor. Um, only one of them was called man therapy. 
um, therapy the way a man would do it. Um, mm -hmm. And it included, you know, this fictional character. Um, and so, you know, it was there, the idea was there on the page and showed. So when they showed this, this range of ideas um, immediately, like we knew that this was the one, like, you mm. know, it just, it rose to the top among all the others immediately. There were a couple that use humor. Um, Cause I felt, I believe that, um, you know, our research showed that, um, you know, getting guys to laugh would be a great way in. And guys have this mechanism, right? When they don't want to talk about something serious, they'll make a joke or make light of it to deflect. Sure. So we yeah. thought, let's, let's use that against them, right? Let's let's use it in reverse and let's use humor uh, to get them to let their guard down and get them to lean in. Uh, so that was part of the strategic direction. But the creative team came up with a number of ways to get there. And one of them was this uh, really unique approach called man therapy. And that one just, you know, from the, from the, First time I saw it was the one. Yeah, well, and I'm 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 sure that you must have naysayers. Everybody does, right? Like, oh, yeah. what, like what, like what is the biggest risk of approaching a mental health issue like these um, with humor? Like, what what's the what's the most legitimate argument against your approach? I think um, a lot of it came down to um, personal bias of points of view, um, you know, as to whether or not um, it would it would work or would it make something worse? Like someone's feeling uh -huh. terrible and you're going to make fun of it. You're going to you know push them over the edge. Um, but I think, you know, um, those were, you know, some of the things that were levied at us. Um, the other one was, you know, using the stereotype of, of kind of um, men being like men and talking like men mm -hmm. and men uh, is that, you know, toxic masculinity. We right. have asked accusations of that. Um, and I think, you know, in the end, we really used um, the research that we had uncovered and also, um, you know, what men told us, right. They said, talk to me like a guy. Um, don't sugarcoat it. You know, I don't want any more, head in hands, wife consoling PSAs yeah. of the past, like just yeah. give it to me straight. Tell me what I need to do to fix myself. And um, we knew that humor would be a, a good way in. I think the other thing too is um, there was something very liberating about not having a paying client on this one. Like we had, uh -huh. clients, right. Um, but our ad agency did all this work at our own expense. So it was a passion project, a pro bono project to the agency. And so we had free reign to really follow our instincts. And I think if, you know, we had to get this approved by a state government agency, um, you know, with some of the, uh, you know, uh, limitations that, that, that come with that territory, um, we might've been handcuffed. And I think we were liberated and, and we were able to really do what we believed was the right thing. And mm. so you gotta be bold. You gotta be provocative if you want to break yeah. through in this world, especially because we had, you know, we had no money. We didn't have a million dollar uh, right. to go out and buy a bunch of media. So, you know, we had to be provocative and, and, uh, breakthrough with our approach. And I think uh, we knew that. And so we we wanted to really swing for the fences. And uh, I'm glad that we did. For the listeners, um, Dr. Rich Mahogany is at the at the center of man therapy. And he's the guy that was on the poster. And I would say and I think what's interesting is he's very much um, kind of what you would consider that traditional man, right? I mean, he's, he, I mean, think about the um, stereotype of what, what a man would be. And, and so the playoff of, of this, you know, hard guy kind of, you know, fisherman with the, I think he's got, I think he's got uh, animal heads in his office, if I'm remembering uh -huh. right. Of course. Uh, against yeah. this idea of, um, you know, being open and, and, and engaging people in a conversation of this and, and kind of being funny is, I don't know, it just for me, and, and it's my orientation as well. You talked about personal biases. It's my orientation as well. Just works, works really, really well. And, uh, and I'm curious about, you know, when you started in 2010, 2012, uh, now 10, 11 years later, there seems to be a lot more attention on, on, I think, on these issues with men and where they where they are in our society and 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 falling behind, anxiety, depression increases in suicide. 
And I'm wondering if you're if you're seeing um, what I'll call a growth in interest in the campaign and 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 what you're doing with it as it evolves. Uh, when we launched Man Therapy, it was July of 2012. And, um, you know, it was a different world back then. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason we took this approach is because the stigma around mental health, especially for men, was even steeper back then. Mm -hmm. And we were very fortunate that when we launched, the New York Times wrote a feature article on the campaign Mm -hmm. because they they thought it was also really novel that someone would use humor and a fictional character uh, to, to go after this issue. And so suddenly man therapy spread around the world to 72 different countries. We had, you know, over 10,000 hits to the website the first day. And, um, you know, that I remember that night, if you send an email to the site to Dr. Rich Mahogany, it comes to me. And I, I got an email from a, a guy in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who was, uh, a military, um, uh, he, he was in the military and, uh, his battalion was based there, and he wrote me a two-page letter about mm. the struggles he was having, and his therapist told him about man therapy, must have seen it in the New York Times, I'm assuming, and went to the website and just wrote me just outpouring of like how much he appreciated that approach. He was going to share with everybody in his battalion, and then the light bulb went on like, oh, wow, okay, like there's real people out there that this is affecting and, you know, for the past 10 years, it's been an incredible, incredible ride. Like man therapy has continued to grow. Um, it's still kind of a well-kept secret. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we have kind of rode that wave of the tipping point that's been um, pushing forward around mental health awareness in this country and around the world, for that matter. Uh, man therapy kind of has this cult following around the world. We launched a version of the campaign in Australia that they launched with a multi-million dollar media effort. They really did mm-hmm. it right um, in Australia. And so, um, you know, there has, I think we, you know, I like to think that we were a small part in trying to push that that tipping point forward. Um, and it's, um, it's great to see that, you know, we've come a long way. Um, I think uh, the mental health crisis that we're in right now is, is more evident than ever, but at least it's out in the open and people are talking about it and there's money flowing towards it. And there's, there's companies uh, that are trying to find solutions and make therapy more accessible to more people. And so we've been beating that drum that therapy for a guy uh, taking care of your mental health is the manliest thing a guy can do. Mm. And therapy comes in many forms, right? Yeah, Yeah. Maybe you should go see, um, a clinical psychologist and 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 enter traditional therapy that might work very well for some people, but um, you also have to take care of yourself. And there's a number of ways you can do that. And so um, we've been kind of on that bandwagon and and kind of leading the charge. And um, I think it's it's made a dent. Yeah, I mean, we we certainly wouldn't. I mean, the furthest thing we're doing is therapy and men living. But you know, to your point, I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do is just create spaces where guys can come in and just kind of talk about what they're going through. I mean, just the, the opportunity to talk and be heard um, and, you know, and maybe hear other men with similar experiences can be just, you know, one, one path of finding more help or letting go of something that is really, you know, it's like, why am I holding on to this shit? I just let it go. And, and maybe that begins to be a path to, um, to better health, better mental health. It's a really important path, the work that you all are doing. That's why I love uh, what you uh, your organization is all about, right? Because it's such a simple, basic, acceptable thing that everybody can do. Mm-hmm. And it it um, the impact it has is enormous. Um, you know, just connecting uh, with somebody, you know, isolation and loneliness is a huge issue um, and a big one among men. Uh, we yeah. just have the kind of social networks and outlets and relationships that that our female counterparts do. And so, um, you know, connecting, uh, opening up and just having someone to talk to um, is enormous. There yeah. was a study um, that was released recently that has been talked about quite a bit from Harvard a longitudinal study over 80 years following mm-hmm. the lives of men mostly um, mm-hmm. and uh, really looking at like what is the key to longevity and and kind of well-being. Um, and one of the things, you know, there's obvious things that we know about, right? Like, um, you know, exercise, nutrition, don't abuse your body with alcohol or drugs or smoking. Those are kind of like table stakes. But yeah. the other things that they discovered are, 
relationships and how important having somebody to turn to in your life, um, you know, late at night or in a dark moment and how important that is. And also meaning and purpose in your life. Um, we know that those are two really important ingredients. This episode of If You've Come This Far is being brought to you by our friends at Half Acre Beer Company, makers of Daisy Cutter Pale Ale and many other fine ales and lagers. Visit them at their brewery located at 2050 West Balmoral Avenue in Chicago's Bowmanville neighborhood. Now back to the show. You guys, I was just taken back. John, I don't know if you ever read the short little book called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. This guy, Never. Charles McKeezy, it's a beautiful little book. Okay. And one of the lines of the book, I'm probably going to get it wrong, was one character asked the other, what's the bravest thing you've ever said? And the other character said, help, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this notion of asking for help, not being masculine uh, is stupid. And and, and it's just, I can't believe it. Anyone still believes that. Among the topics that we talk about the most is this sort of, we don't use this word, but you, I think you use this word or either you or the CDC study use the word of help seeking behavior or the phrase. Yeah. Um, and I really want to hear about the CDC study. Um, and I guess what I'm most curious about there is like, what, what's the um, independent variable there? Is it is it getting men to change their help-seeking behavior or is it the actual tools that Rich Mahogany offers via the, the, the website? Um, it really is getting men to change their behavior around help-seeking attitudes and then actions. Um, it, it can be evidenced uh, by men looking at accessing and using the tools on man therapy. So they kind of, it's kind of both and. Um, when we, uh, back in 2010, when we were developing the campaign, it took about two years to develop it. We launched in 2012. We had three goals from day one, um, to break through the stigma around men's mm-hmm. mental health, to make it more accessible, um, to increase help seeking behavior among working age men and to reduce suicidal ideation. So those are the three goals. They remain the three goals today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CDC, um, back in 2015, um, really had heard so much about man therapy. Other states were licensing it and they would always ask, well, do you have evidence that this works? Mm, sure. I mean, efficacy research. And we had a lot of evidence just based on the, the data from our website and the head inspections completed in that. Uh, we had a lot of, um, you know, inquiries and notes and, and phone calls from men talking about how the site really impacted them. We had one guy call and said, your website saved my life last night. And so, you know, those things are undeniable, but we didn't have any clear clinical evidence of it. And so the CDC sponsored a $1.2 million five-year study of man therapy. They did it in the state of Michigan. Um, it included over 600 men um, and it was really tracking uh, you know, their behavior, uh, they had a control group and um, mm-hmm. guys that were just given screening tools and then other guys that were given man therapy um, and screening tools. And, you know, that's what it was based on. And then they looked at the long-term outcomes for these men. And um, it had showed clear evidence that it increased help-seeking behavior and it did reduce suicidal ideation. So we've got that that stamp of approval, that evidence that it does work. And um, it's been great um, to have that calling card now that it was just recently published in November of last year. Uh, so it took you know, all this time, we were just um, waiting for this evidence uh, to be published. And now that it is, I think it's gonna open a lot of doors and give a lot more communities and organizations confidence to launch the campaign. That, that was that was going to be my next question is like that that's huge for the campaign and, and then so people should see that and then hopefully get on board um who does get on board who are your clients is it is it the army pays you for to for posters or Boeing wants to put you know your stuff in their men's restrooms or like help me understand that business. I wish the Army and Boeing would reach out to us. So <laughs> anybody knows anybody there? Uh, we've had a conversation with um, um, very similar organizations. So over the years, we've had so many people reach out. Um, like I mentioned, um, the one of the first ones to license it was this country of Australia. Um, yeah. We created a whole version 
um, took man therapy and dipped it in Australian culture and launched it with a character called Dr. Brian Ironwood. Uh, <laughs> and it, it looked and felt just like man therapy, but it had a, a Australian character. Um, and they looked at it like a campaign. It was out there for a couple of years and it kind of came and went. But, you know, we have licensed it to states. Um, we uh, we license it to counties, um, to foundations um, and communities, and we license it to um, companies that, you know, are wanting to to bring uh, man therapy to their workforce. So Hensel Phelps Construction is a great partner. Um, we just did some really funny construction videos. Um, we brought Dr. Rich Mahogany back out of retirement. Um, he is he's awesome. He's a stage actor named John Arp. Um, he lives in the mountains in Colorado. He's a chef. He has a restaurant up in Creed, Colorado. Um, if you want to go see the real Dr. Rich Mahogany, go to Creed, Colorado to Arp. <laughs> uh, you can have a fine meal and take a picture with Dr. Rich Mahogany. Um, he's awesome. So he he reprised his role of Dr. Rich Mahogany for these construction videos. And they're really, really being well received. If you guys haven't seen those, I can send you a link to them. Um, and you can get to them from the website. Um, so, you know, we're, we're licensing it to lots of different organizations. I have a call um, at the top of the hour with the state of California um, to talk about man therapy. So, Outstanding. Yeah, they've been they've been the number two most visited state um, and they've been freeloading. They haven't paid anything to be a part of the campaign just because uh-huh. there's a large, you know, they're like a country in and of themselves. But yeah. Whenever a community like Rhode Island or Utah license man therapy, it's really cool because you can see them just shoot up once they start implementing our campaign. Um, So the idea is you have the website and that's where the therapy happens and you can upload Mm -hmm. all your local resources. But the other part of it is all the turnkey marketing materials. We've got dozens and dozens of videos and social media assets and posters and collateral like the poster you saw in Wisconsin. And when you start to implement that, following our playbook um, in your community, um, you you drive men to the website and then the website kicks in with its evidence-based approach. So Mm -hmm. it's that one-two punch that um, is just a turnkey solution that is proven to work. So um, I'm going to pivot a bit. So uh, earlier this week, talking about the CDC, CDC issued another report um, where they're researching mental health of, of teens. And so um, in the Washington Post, it says teen girls across the United States are engulfed in a growing wave of violence and trauma. Um, nearly one in three high school girls reported in 2020 that they seriously considered suicide, up nearly 60% from a decade ago. Now, I, you know, we, as we've already said, I mean, we spend our days thinking about what's going on with boys and men, and that there's a um, the epidemic of issues there. And now we read this, this report that's out and, and, uh, uh, things feel dire. I mean, it feels really shitty and, um, uh, you grit has, you know, is, is trying not only with man therapy, but also has some other technology and tools that you're using and implementing across the country to, to address, you know, we talk about men, but you're also, um, uh, we're trying to address this this demographic and help them through some of these mental health and loneliness issues uh, with some of the tools that you have, Joe, and and maybe talk a little bit about those things as well. Yeah, it uh, you know, man therapy has created a lot of ripples in the world um, in many directions, and one of them is it it motivated me to start a whole new company. Yeah. So um, in 2014, I got a call from my alma mater. Colorado State University, which is just up the road in Fort Collins. And um, they were very concerned because um, they had just experienced 17 suicides in a two-year academic period. And so it was four times, you know, the normal uh, number that they might uh, might see on campus. And it's not just a Colorado State issue. We lose about 1,200 students on college campus to suicide every year. And so they knew about my work with man therapy and I was pretty involved as an alum. So they just invited me up to have a conversation. And um, it really opened my eyes to not just the suicide issue among college students, but really discovered there's a mental health crisis on college campuses. They can't hire enough um, counselors to meet the demand of students. But yet on a typical campus, only about 15% of students ever go to the counseling center. 
and they still can't keep up with the demand. So, you know, that hit me like, what about um, how do you support those students, that 15% when they're not in therapy? Like, how do you help them kind of take care of themselves? And then what about the other 85% that are never walking into the counseling center? They probably can use some help getting unstuck, you know, in their college journey. So um, we started with where we always do by talking to college students. And this is really enlightening. Um, We learned a lot about man therapy and about an upstream approach. But when we would talk to college students, they would say things like, you know, I'm away from home for the first time. I feel really isolated and lonely. I haven't met anybody I've connected with. So I just hang out in my dorm room. Um, You know, everybody seemed to have it figured out. I don't know what I want to do with my career. School's much harder than I thought. So I'm falling behind in the classroom and I'm stressed out because I can't Mm -hmm. school. Uh, So I'm not sleeping. Maybe I'm self-medicating. And when we talk about mental health, they'd be like, oh, I don't have any mental health issues. I'm good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the light bulb went on like, oh, I see. It's just life coming at these young people. And it could be everybody's on their own journey, right? They're all dealing with their own shit. And and, uh, they all have their own challenges and opportunities. And I thought, what if we had, you know, created a, a, a platform that's personalized for every student that helps them navigate life and campus and uh, helps them make the most of their college experience. And there wasn't anything out there like that. So at that moment, I decided, you know, I'm not going to do it just as a passion project of the agency. Um, Let's start another company that um, just develops behavioral health solutions using Mm -hmm. power of creative technology. And so with that, I founded Grit Digital Health in 2016 and uh, co-developed the U Wellbeing platform with Colorado State University, um, proved it out. Students loved it. Administrators thought it was great. Um, students told us it was very helpful. And so with that, we launched. And um, today we're on 200 college campuses mm-hmm. with that platform. Um, so it's been, a, it's been an incredible ride and uh, it's really exciting work. And it was all really uncorked because of our experience with man therapy. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, and I'm curious about the name. You and I didn't talk about this grit. Uh, um, there's an attitude there. I mean, for that, at least I'm, t- you know, for me, I think about it. Okay. There's, there's an attitude about that uh, in the name. Is that the purpose? I mean, is that, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I've yeah. always loved, I've always loved the word grit. I've used it throughout my whole life i love the movie true grit right (laughs) you know john wayne as well as the remake um and then angela duckworth uh wrote called grit right and it's all about resilience and it just made sense and i thought okay grit and then we're going to use digital technology so grit digital health seemed like the perfect moniker for this kind of a company so Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we went down that direction and because i think it, it is about um you know it's about self-care, right? Like yeah. we're all on this journey alone, really. Um, you have a lot of support and you need support, but at the end of the day, it comes up to you and the decisions you make and the behaviors that you build and which direction you take your life and, and the support you use to kind of build that that self-determination. And so I think grit is a good moniker for that. Now, it's gotten a bad name lately, right? In the mm-hmm. woke culture that we live in, um, suddenly grit is kind of a bad word, um, at least in higher ed. Um, even resilience is kind mm-hmm. of frowned upon mm-hmm. uh, as you know being a little bit, um, I think the attitude is that um, not everybody is fortunate enough to be able to be suited with that, or some people mm-hmm. may have backgrounds that have contributed to them not being as resilient. And so it's putting people down. If you, if you do have this, if you don't, but I think that's a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) I I agree. I agree. Um, Joe, I uh, proudly serve on the board of NAMI Chicago. Do you know NAMI National Alliance for Mental Illness? Yeah. Yeah. Um, A big, a big way in which NAMI Chicago serves the Chicago land community is via peer support. So I don't know if you're familiar with this notion, but like there's a time and a place where people need a therapist. And then there's a sort of like complementary avenue for getting help, which is talking to someone who's not a licensed therapist, not a doctor, but who's been through some of the same shit that you've been through and is is trained on this. And in a recent retreat, we talked about 
why more universities aren't getting on board with this idea where you could train students to 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 do this sort of peer support work. Uh, similarly, men living is very much about connectedness and community, right? It's it's just a different sort of almost name for for peer support. And my question is, does you you meaning you at what do you call it? You at you at college. You at college or man therapy. Do those two um, solutions offer that sort of connectedness or community or peer support? 100%. Yeah. I think both of the platforms are all about like self-discovery, like what's going on in my life? How can I be more aware of my growth edges? And then how can I then do something about that? And that comes in many forms. And a big one is connecting to resources, uh, either campus resources or mm-hmm. community resources. And those come in many forms. Um, so the U at College platform, what's really cool is we customize it for a campus. So it looks and feels like the campus, the brand, the imagery. But then we also integrate all of those campus resources. So not only does it help a student personalize it to their experience and set priorities that they're working on in their life. But then when they're ready to take action, it puts them in touch with the right campus resource and connects them to campus. So that feeling of belonging and support um, is really crucial to the success of um, the experience. And same thing with man therapy, right? We want to connect men to all sorts of evidence-based or evidence-formed tools and resources, psychoeducation, but also um, you know, um, different things that they can enroll in where they can get uh, support or they can meet other people or they can do a volunteer project, right? Um, so we've got a lot of great partners. Um, we're really resource agnostic. And, you know, if it's if it's something that can help a guy, uh, we want to include it in our platform because it can be part of this solution. Right, right. Um, are you seeing any sort of trend? Uh, we could look at any of your customer segments, whether it's you at college or man therapy via you know state customers or whatever. But if we just focus on one and think of universities, you said you're in 200. Are you seeing any trends in who's actually seen fit to make this investment? Is it privates? Is it states, state universities, uh, big, small? What What is it? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'm very happy to report that it's a very broad section across our 200 campuses. You know, we've got large state systems like California State School System, uh, the Wisconsin University of Wisconsin mm-hmm. system has launched in 13 colleges uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Um, so we've got big schools like Colorado State University. We've got small uh, independent colleges. There's a lot of them in the network. We have community colleges. Uh, we have a handful of trade schools. Um, and so it really is a, a pretty diverse set. We just want more, more of yeah. them. Uh, so the, 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 I was going to say the common denominator is probably the right decision maker who's thinking about this problem, right? That's yeah, that's what they yeah, have in common. Yeah, but, higher ed is 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 not for the faint of heart. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it moves at a glacial pace, um, and you know uh, I've described it that you know the challenge is that when you get a decision made. Everybody has to say yes, and uh-huh. any person can say no and kind of derail it. And so, totally. but no, I think I think it's it's becoming more and more obvious that um, you know part of the student experience um, isn't just in the classroom, right? It, and um, when um, students go off to college, uh, it's a transitional period, and you know helping students succeed in every facet of their life is really important. And I think it's important for K through twelve also. Um, you know, with the mental health crisis that you, uh, you know, referred to, Sean, um, in it's 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 really more prevalent than ever among yeah. teenagers um, and young yeah. people. And so, you know, if it's not going to take place in schools, uh, where else? So yeah. I think, um, you know, do, we're doing some really innovative work in Colorado with the school district, Littleton School District, which is uh, the district um, mm-hmm. where Columbine High School is, yeah. and they are great because because of that right whenever tragedy hits or you hit rock bottom with something that there's a reaction and so they've done amazing work and we're developing a brain health curriculum um, with them to teach young people just how their brain works hmm. uh, 
we've developed a, um, an, an app called Nod that helps students build better social relationships. So it addresses isolation and loneliness and, and increases belonging. Mm. Um, we developed it for college students, but we also brought it down to the high school level. So we have pilots going in that world. Um, so we really think it's important. Um, the younger, um, like it's, it's great to have that remedial solutions in college, but you know, if we can better arm young people, um, the sooner, the better, I think. I, I do want to say, Chris, you know, you talk about this, the uh, peer support, um, there was, and this might be a prospect for you, Joe, if they're not already a customer, um, journal had an article about how at Hamilton college, they're training other students to be, uh, peer counselors really wow. people that'll just listen um, because again, they don't have the resource to deal to, to address the demand. So um, I'll send you guys the, the link to yeah, the article because, because probably a prospect, Joe. Yeah. I'll send it to my, uh, my biz dev to, um, <laughs> yeah. Hamilton college. Here we come. Hamilton college. Um, and I, and I, you both guys have meetings at the top of the hour. I don't, you know, we'd be remiss. If we don't also say that you have a version of you at work. Uh, as well, right? That, and I don't know how new that is, but it's it's uh, a tool set for employers uh, for Boeing. It's for Boeing, right? Yes, <laughs> comes with a bunch of rich mahogany posters. Yeah, we developed it for a very large um, international call center, um, and uh, it's a company called TTAC. They've been a great partner for four years. I've been using the platform; they love it. Um, we haven't expanded into the corporate world beyond that, but we're ready to go. Um, the other thing that I'm really proud of is we have uh, taken the U platform because it works for human beings. Right. Yeah. And the, if we put the right content and the right resources on, we can really tweak it for different audiences. So we have created a version for veterans. Uh, that platform is called operation veteran strong. Uh, it's mm -hmm. an open platform that anybody can go to. So operation veteran strong. Um, we have another version for first responders uh, that we developed during the pandemic. Um, the foundation that first funded man therapy came to us and said, Hey, we know you have a great well-being tool. Uh, we're really concerned about first responders on the front lines out there. Mm. So we created Responder Strong. It's a national platform. It's free and open uh, and is really, really doing well. Um, and then we created a version for community mental health centers um, with a partner here in Denver, one of the best um, community mental health centers in the country. And that's called You at Your Best, um, also an open platform uh, yeah. that we can then take to other other verticals. So, yeah, we're we're a pretty ambitious little company, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, we think that this is kind of the the new frontier of of you know using digital platforms that really can help people um, you know uh, make the most of their life and and uh, you know just a place where you can go kind of work on yourself, right? There's not many things out there. This is not about social social media connections and projecting it out to the world. It's about a place you can go kind of look in the mirror and be honest with yourself and, and do the work. And uh, the platforms are just there to help you do that. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful tools. Yeah. I mean, all the tools, I mean, so using tech, you, I mean, you're using it for communication, for behavioral change, et cetera. You're also using it for sort of non-interpersonal uh tools that can be helpful to people. And then of course, there's the therapy via technology, right? Which I think is a point of contention for a lot of old school therapists. Mm -hmm. um, do you, I mean, do you, are you one of those people who's like, this is the future in 20 years, all therapy will be via Zoom, um, for example, or do you see it as supplemental to uh, the old approach of sitting on someone's couch? I think the more, the better, um, you know, I think uh, many people are, are more comfortable doing it on their own couch rather than the therapist's couch. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more accessible, right? It's more convenient. Uh, it's been made a little bit more affordable. Um, so I think I'm all for whatever form it'll come in. I don't think anything will ever replace the one-on-one -on -one human interaction. I think that's the best therapy experience you can have, mm -hmm. but I think the other ones are really good. There's also tools, right? Like Headspace or Calm, um, that just, you know, can help you in the moment, um, just kind of one-on-none therapy. And so I think that's good. Um, you know, I think anything that helps somebody, uh, you know, just um, get back to neutral or, or work out an issue um, 
the more the better, I think. Um, so I support it all. Um, you know, I worry about like AI and where that's going. <laughs> and it's, uh, no shit. We're gonna have we're gonna have AI therapists pretty soon uh, in our heads, telling us, you know, giving us advice. Um, that that concerns me. Um, yeah. but, uh, that's where I would draw the line. But beyond that, I think everything else is pretty useful. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so before we go to, uh, th- Chris's three closing questions, you know, just, a, just a point on this, uh, on the technology piece as it relates to mental health. We, we interviewed a while back, uh, Dr. Maggie Emerson, who co-founded, uh, a database called mind, um, with a Harvard professor, uh, and the whole effort was to really evaluate and review all these, I mean, there's hundreds, ten thousands of mental health apps, if you look at them on a full spectrum, and to dig in and really look at, okay, are, are what the, the efficacy of them, the quality of them, mm-hmm. um, to really help um, consumers, if you will, determine whether or not these, these platforms are, uh, are what they say they are. And because there's no regulation around it, right? So, um, so they they they're doing. I think they're doing yeoman's work in trying to help people really determine it is this platform better than that platform, depending on what your situation is. So, um, yeah, they they continue this, that work. Um, Chris, did you have want to comment on that before your questions? No, no, but I'm, I kind of, I think I side with Joe and I love what like Maggie's doing. It's like, I, 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 it would be a shame. I feel like if people stop trying new things, just like an individual with mental illness was, was, you know, I mean, I, I think in many cases, rich mahogany above the urinal is just alerting people to the fact that there's something there that might be worth trying. So that's kind of my attitude. Yeah. My, my whole issue on it, Joe, was that as you probably know, uh, tens of millions of dollars have been thrown at some of, some of these apps in, in the VC space. And that, that isn't always a good sign for quality mm-hmm. solutions. Uh, you, you guys are doing grassroots, you know, a lot of grassroots things. And I don't know if you're talking to, to, to venture people about more money, but uh, that always in my mind is like, okay, well, how, how, how good are right. all these solutions? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no replacement for, for doing it well and doing it right. And, 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 you know, we talk about human centered design and making uh, prototypes and testing and, and constantly using data to improve things. And hopefully, you know, there's some bad actors out there, but I think they're few and far between compared to uh, the people that are trying to do it right and, and providing some value. So I'm guessing that you at college has an app. Yeah, so it's a mobily responsive web app. So it's a web-based app. Um, it works great on a phone, uh, but we found that a desktop, um, you know, kind of web-based version of it is better than a native uh-huh. app. Um, uh, yeah. So that's the way we've gone. Sean, did you look into mine to see if uh, you at college or man? I have not. There no, again? I did yeah. not. I did not. We'll have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Joe, uh, I know you got to run soon. I got to run soon. We do ask three canned questions at the end of these things. Apologies in advance. Um, if they seem a little bit cheesy, they're, they're, they're sort of sweetly cheesy. Um, are you ready for this? Don't yeah, think too hard. Bring it on. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, <laughs> first question is what do you wish you could have told your 10 year old self? Um, pick up the game of golf earlier. Oh boy. A whole You're golf conversation. That's for the here. that's for the next time. By the way, the tavern I was in is right next to Sand Valley. I don't know if you guys know. Uh, uh, no, Mike, I don't know. Mike Kaiser oh, in Sand Valley. Yeah. Oh, is that the same guy who did uh Bandon Bandon, yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I'm, going to Band- I'm going to Bandon in October. Oh September, man. I think. Yeah, so. have fun. Thanks. Um, all right. Next time we'll talk more about golf. Um, next question is. Joe, do you have a mantra in life or even a mantra these days? Yeah, it's uh, it's been the one that I think it's hard to follow, but I try to remember. And that's um, there's no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. Oh. Mm. Wow, that's like a true mantra. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. That's awesome. Um, final question. Uh, what do you hope that people will say about you at your wake, Joe? Uh, he lived a life that mattered, you know, he lived a life that mattered. He cared, he gave a shit and uh, he did all he could to, uh, to help make it a little bit better. I love it. 
Thanks. I love it. You, you, you passed the test. That's, right. <laughs> That's high praise from you guys. I appreciate that. Yeah. I love the work you guys are doing. Um, thank you so much for having me on. I, the hour has flown by and uh, it has agree. Agree. Getting to know you guys better. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Joe. This is Chris. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of if you've come this far. And this is Sean. Remember to check us out at menliving.org. <laughs>